Welcome to the Couch Lutters Podcast. Hi, it's Rob here. Welcome to a very special episode of the Couch Lutters Podcast. With all the Soros going on in the world at the moment, with the corona, COVID-19 virus circulating around the world, we thought it was essential to discuss the role of viruses on pop culture. But we know nothing about diseases, so instead we investigate what happens when you become a viral sensation. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn and that upstart TikTok are omnipresent. However, a good old-fashioned piss take can also crisscross the zeitgeist and even get out of hand. I had the pleasure of using some old technology, the phone, to talk to Melbourne's own Jewish version of Corey Worthington. Look it up, kids. We speak to graphic designer, copywriter, ad man, musician and actor, Adrian Elton. The Couch Luckers podcast, taking the Saurus out of what to watch. So, Adrian, in your bio that you sent me, you said the first thing is that you make shit up. Clarify, please. Well, I um, make shit up in a professional capacity and I also make it up in a sort of personal shits and giggles capacity. And that's generating advertising, graphic design for actual projects and for clients, as well as generating and designing memes and boosts of um, advertising, which I just share online and um, among my social media groups and so forth and you know sometimes they go nowhere fast and sometimes they explode during the uh last australian federal election you had a viral campaign that went absolutely nuts so do you want to tell us what happened yeah casting my mind back into the fog of 2019 which mm-hmm. seems a long time ago now but um following the the federal election a couple of days after the election result um it came to life that clive palmer had spent million on his ad campaign, which didn't yield a single seat in Parliament. And that was a noteworthy amount of money because it was more than, I think, like the top five advertisers, including McDonald's and brands like that had spent in the same period. And it was certainly a hell of a lot more than any of the other political parties had spent on their campaigns to, you know, have spent that crazy amount and sort of got no ostensible result, the kind of thing which really tickled the schadenfreude bone of many an Aussie, and myself included, and I just, with with my kind of um, thinking, I I immediately thought to myself, you know, 60 million and not a single seat, you know, should have gone to Ikea. And with that in mind, I just thought, oh, sang that together as a bit of a fake ad, and I jumped onto Google Images and found a billboard image and then I found some Ikea share that was Schnell, which was twenty seven ninety nine I think. And yeah, basically cobbled together this um um Photoshop mock up of a billboard which looked photorealistic, popped that on, you know, so the headline was geez, Clive sixty million not a single seat should have gone to Ikea with a picture of the Schnell chair for twenty seven ninety nine and put that onto, you know, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. It just, yeah, like I said, it exploded. It, it went viral within um, probably 12 hours. The next morning it was, like, covered in ad news and B&T, which obviously are big publications in the advertising and marketing world. It was the profile picture on Lee Lin Chin's Facebook 
profile and and Pauline Hansen was sharing it, much to my chagrin. Mm -hmm. Like I thought, oh, this is surely going to be up in 24 hours. It can't have more oxygen than that. Two weeks later, it was still powering on and it sort of powered all the way up to the top where Anthony Albanese was giving his maiden speech as the newly minted leader of the opposition. In the middle of it, he sort of exclaims that he wants to give a shout-out to whoever designed the IKEA ad for Clive, or with Clive, um, because he wants them working on the next Labor federal election. <laughs> so it was, yeah, kind of a very surreal thing to see and realise, oh, my God, he's, he's actually over the airwaves calling out to me. Um, will I answer the call? Like Batman, <laughs> shining the light, Commissioner Gordon style. Did it get any further with Albanese? It, it happened, yeah, besides the fact it won't. <laughs> um, and that's okay. Do it to try to land the IKEA account or the Labour account. So I just did it for shits and giggles. Anything, you know, more that came of it was all upside. Did it, did it get misinterpreted or people taking it the wrong way? I don't know the... Like everyone, I think part of its, it's viral um, appeal was it just tapped into the moment um, so perfectly in terms of what everyone was collectively feeling and it just summed it up in a, a pretty funny way. Um, but of course, because it was photorealistic, because I didn't have my name or business logo on it, you know, there were not just kind of, you know, your, your everyday person thinking that it was real, there were even like other media organisations, like some, I can't remember which radio station, it was one of the big radio stations, congratulating IKEA for roasting Clive Palmer so fantastically without having done any fact-checking to, you know, <laughs> determine that it wasn't in fact IKEA at all. <laughs> so that, that was kind of funny to sort of see, you know, it being misattributed, but understandably why it wouldn't would have been because if you didn't know otherwise it looks like an Ikea kind of ad and I also kind of culture jammed that with that acidic yellow that Clive Palmer was using all over his um, advertising which you know as it turned out wasn't too far away from the Ikea yellows. Yeah it was understandable why so many people who wouldn't know otherwise thought it was Ikea who already have a pretty great track record of creating some you know occasionally topical and certainly some very creative ads uh, uh, I guess legitimate reason why people guessed it must have been them. Um, what inspires you? I guess from a, from a Jewish perspective, the whole idea of Tikkun Olam and I guess extending to ideas of social justice. So whenever I see powers that be um, behaving badly, <laughs> I like to use the, the, the tools in my toolbox and the quills in my quiver of arrows, which are basically words and images to, I guess, um, direct attention to the emperor's new clothes in, you know, no uncertain terms and, you know, I guess create a cultural dressing down of those who are otherwise trying to take the piss. So, yeah, that, that's kind of what inspires me to create memes because they're usually satirising political figures um, or things going on which, you know, you know, I think are outrageous and I just want to respond and you know, I guess steer the conversation or or connect with other people who might be feeling the same sense of outrage or, or dismay. Recently with this world pandemic going on you've done you've done a few and the one that rang true was using a uh, 
toilet paper roll as a ring. Exactly. That, that's obviously the most recent one, which has gone viral enough that it's kind of generated its own media coverage and, and all of that sort of stuff. And you never know what it is that's going to connect in such a major way. But this one also has, and it was, you know, in response to the toilet paper hoarding, which now doesn't seem like such a bad idea <laughs> now that we're, you know, many weeks past that point. Not that I at all, um, you know, endorse hoarding and think it's revolting that anyone would take more than they need. But yeah, certainly in response to that first wave of hoarding, um, I thought, you know, this is kind of incredible. You know, all these years and decades that the toilet paper companies have spent trying to craft the perfect marketing messages to basically move shit, shitloads of bog roll. And really, all they had to utter was a magic word, pandemic, shells vanish. Again, mocked up a billboard, this time using the very familiar and family-friendly Kleenex brand. In this case, featured the classic little gorgeous, cute little Labrador puppy sitting next to the, I don't know, 12-pack of toilet paper. In this case, there's a cute little Labrador puppy wearing a gorgeous little coronavirus mask. And the headline is something, something pandemic. And that obviously underlining the fact that it doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's got that word pandemic in there, the stuff is going to fly. Yeah, that, that again is still, to my astonishment, probably a fortnight later, still getting new views every day and shares on LinkedIn and so forth. So it's, um, again, a, a sort of viral hit that, yeah, vi- vi- virality in an age of virality. You also mentioned that you acted with Seth Rogen in Preacher. How did it even come about? Well, it was a very, very funny experience because um, I'm not an actor. Amongst a worldwide community of fantastically talented actors and people involved in film and TV, I am a moonlighter um, and have no business being there. But a colleague and friend of mine, um, Oren Franco, was the assistant to the director when the fourth season of Preacher was being filmed here. They needed someone to play the part of a rabbi. I had a, you know, rather impressive beard and basically got the call based on that and I, I was invited to audition and a situation where I hadn't auditioned for anything since high school musicals and I never got main parts in those either. Yeah. So I had to front up to an audition like a deer in the headlights and didn't know what I was doing, dialed in what I thought was an appalling audition <laughs> um, and the, the only kind of, I guess, self there was, yeah, a, a a week later, I got an email congratulating me on my fantastic audition <laughs> and got this part in this um, episode. Yeah, basically every step of the way, it sort of became bigger and bigger and bigger um, to the point where um, I arrived to what was called the base unit, which was everything set up at the Melbourne Exhibition Buildings um, in Carlton the morning of the, the shoot. And it was just a one-day shoot. It was, as with these things, very long day and I arrived and I had my own caravan wow. <laughs> which um, little of me nobody with a beard with his own kind of gilded shiny caravan yeah yeah the whole day um, because I had a speaking pass I was treated as one of the cast as opposed to the hundreds of extras similarly I arrived on set and I thought oh maybe I'll see the stars of the show kind of somewhere in the distance and I get you know, deposited directly upstairs into the green room. So I'm sitting with the three stars of the show. And it's 
living someone someone else's life at this point. Again, I'm not an actor, but I've always played in bands and performed in my own little videos and things. So all of that, I guess, muscle memory kicked in and, you know, I gave a passable performance. But all of that was kind of secondary to me to actually the experience of being there. And, you know, I even, along obviously with the, the real stars of the show, um, there were understudies for them as they blocked out all of the shots and everything. But there was also an understudy for me. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I'm basically kicking back with them, um, the nobody with a beard, while, you know, uh, an understudy is being used to, I guess, establish what the different camera angles they're going to use and, and all of that sort of stuff. So the whole, the whole day was like a, a day where you've, you've slipped into someone else's life that really has nothing to do with yours. <laughs> Literally the, the, the kind of crescendo of this bizarre day was, um, sharing one of the cars back to the base unit at the end of the day. And one of the guys who'd been on set, and I didn't know who he was, but seemed to be someone kind of important, was sitting in the back of the car as we were driving back and chatting with him and asking him, oh, so what's your involvement? And he sort of chuckles and says, oh, I, you know, I wrote and produced the series. <laughs> anyway, a couple of days later, I look up his name. It's a guy called Sam Catlin, and his credits come up. He's also the guy who wrote and produced Breaking Bad. <laughs> everything about the day was surreal and that was, that was that and that was actually filmed the day that the Clyde Palmer thing was blowing up for the first time it must have been a surreal experience that whole period yeah yeah absolutely it was um, a great experience the Couch Lutkers podcast couldn't you just plutz I hope you enjoyed our very first special edition of the Couch Lutkers podcast. Next week, Trent will present another little nosh. So don't forget to rate us on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends and family. If you have any ideas for the podcast, email us on couchlutkerspodcast at gmail.com. Message us on the Couch Lutkers podcast Facebook page. Otherwise, wash your hands, be hygienic, enjoy these days of isolation and get onto your screens. You've been listening to the Couch Lutkers podcast. This podcast has been produced by etails.com.au.